John Rash and Patricia Lopez are on board every Wednesday right around this time. Plain Politics partnership with the Star Tribune editorial board. Glad to have you both on board. John, let's start about the biggest national news of the day breaking around 11 o'clock that Justice Stephen Breyer had informed the president about a week ago that he would be stepping down the news breaking. Uh, We obviously have watched what's happened the last five, six years in our country with Merrick Garland, what did not happen, then the three Supreme Court appointees from President Trump, including Amy Coney Barrett, very late, right near the election. Uh, You obviously have some differences here in, in Joe Biden's politics compared to Donald Trump's. You obviously also have... What I think is a key point, John, and one of the differences here is Joe Biden replacing Stephen Breyer and how politically and legally they align compared to some of the differences we saw before with Merrick Garland and Donald Trump. So we know it's going to be combative. We know it's going to be contentious. But will it reach the level that we've witnessed the last five years? Unlikely because the Senate does have a Democratic majority if you include Vice President Harris as the tie-breaking vote. And it indeed won't change the direction of the court. It may change the direction of the Biden administration. This is one that the president and his colleagues in the White House need to get absolutely right because they have absolutely one chance to hit reset with Congress and the country in many respects And if they nominate the right individual, if he or she, and it's likely based on what President Biden said when he was candidate Biden, indeed does nominate an African-American woman to the court, that this individual is thoroughly vetted and that there aren't any surprises that are going to throw the confirmation into chaos, I think that they'll probably be able to get the person through. Of course, it's fundamental and important, if not imperative, that they get agreement from senators well in advance, especially Senators Cinema and Manchin, who have thwarted Build Back Better and some of the other legislative agenda items President Biden has. This may be a way that they can coalesce as a Democratic Party and have an achievable outcome that they can bring to voters. So let's stay with that area, Pat, because when Barack Obama had two selections, uh, you saw 60-some senators vote for both justices. This is, in theory, liberal for liberal. This isn't, as an example, Garland for Scalia and some of the other appointments or Coney Barrett for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, Joe Manchin, John referred to, voted for two of uh, President Trump's nominees. Do you think Manchin and Cinema? are once again going to be a thorn in the backside of Joe Biden on this particular very important appointment? Uh, You know, certainly they need to be um, consulted on all of this. Um, One of the leading candidates uh, apparently is Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, who was was recently, just last year, um, vetted thoroughly for uh, confirmation uh, to the U.S. Court of Appeals and the D.C. Circuit. And she even managed to get the um, support of a few uh, Republicans, most notably Lindsey Graham. 
and so I, I think, you know, it, it depends on who they go with, of course. And I, I just want to address this invented notion of liberal and conservative seats. That, that's not really a thing. No president is under any obligation to keep a seat in a conservative, you know, uh, justice, you know, and have a, a liberal justice following a, a liberal. That's, you know, that's not that's not anything that's ever been required. That is a modern invented notion. Um, that said, it looks like um, at least for uh, Brown Jackson, uh, you know, just it sounds like she's like she's skilled like she's experienced. Um, she's already been through the confirmation process once. Um, that's not to say it's going to be a slam dunk. They do need to get all the Democrats uh, in line. But hopefully they can also get a few Republicans because it sure would be nice to show that we can have at least some bipartisan support. So let me just offer up one wild card name. You each can give me a very quick answer if this is uh, any, if as any likelihood at all, John, you, well, Pat, you go first this time. Barack mm-hmm. Obama. <laughs> um, well, that would be very controversial. Um, I, I don't, I don't see it happening, frankly. For one thing, um, Biden has been very clear about the fact that he wants to nominate the first black woman um, to the high court. Um, so that alone rules it out. I suppose, you know, he could do Mrs. Obama. That would be a possibility. She's also um, uh, a lawyer. But, no, I I don't see that happening. I don't either, John. Number one, I don't think Barack Obama has interest in it. But I just thought I'd throw it out there because, obviously, his, his background in Washington, his background as a constitutional law professor, you want to create some news, he would certainly create some news, John. Indeed, he would. And there, of course, is precedent in terms of William Howard Taft being president and having a relatively rocky administration and going on to be an extremely well-considered Supreme Court justice after his presidency. But it's very unlikely, particularly as Pat appropriately mentioned, President Biden, when he was candidate, made this pledge that he's going to look to appoint an African-American woman. And so my sense is that he will follow through on that. And already there are reports of a short list of people, including um, the judge that that Patricia just talked about being vetted at this point, but would make some news. And of course, it could transpire, as with many presidencies. President Trump had three times to do this. There's always uh, the chance that there will be another nomination under the Biden administration. We'll have to see what happens then. 110 of the previous 115 justices have been white males to mm-hmm. see our country further representative uh, about damn time. So I, I, I brought this up multiple times and there's pushback on good to know this is some sort of check mark. No, it's not a check mark. And Pat, you jump in here too. Um, mm-hmm. There are numerous qualified eminently qualified black female judges. And the fact that we're sitting here in 2022 and we haven't had one yet is highly critical, uh, in my opinion, of past presidents. And this is what should take place. You're not going to pick someone who's not qualified, but to show this as an example, a representation 
of our country makes perfect sense to me. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's not as though any standards are being relaxed. We are talking uh, for the most part, as you said, about eminently qualified people that would hold their own against anyone. And so then what what then becomes the the rationale for repeatedly appointing uh, white people? It's just there has to be some fairness here. And, uh, you know, the, the numbers that you cite are staggering. And Staggered. to add one more, what, and the first the first black woman in the history of the country, um, I, I think that it's it's shameful. It should have happened long before now. Um, it uh, um, it's just um, it's just kind of staggering to me that it hasn't happened yet. Yep. And I'll, I'll finish with this. And we'll pause. Ronald Reagan appointed Sandra Day O'Connor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan made that decision. Bravo to him. She was eminently right. qualified and happened to be the first female. Should have happened mm-hmm. a long time before that. Uh, back with budget talk in the state of Minnesota when we return. Over the last few days, as we continue with John Rash and Patricia Lopez, John, we have uh, heard from the governor. We're hearing from him again today on uh, policing, specifically money directed that way. Uh, addressing crime issues, which has become a major issue in this state and all across the country at the same time. On oversight of police, we are seeing contrasting uh, budget ideas from the Republicans. We had on Senate Majority Leader Jeremy Miller uh, in the first hour uh, pointing out the contrast. John, what stands out most to you about these differences when obviously we're looking at a surplus of $7.7 billion. That even when there's a record surplus like that, it's very difficult to find common ground between the DFL and Republicans at the state legislature. That being said, it seems quite clear that both parties, the GOP in particular, are going to emphasize public safety and trying to bolster police forces across the state, particularly in the metro area, whereas you mentioned there is a considerable crime surge that has people quite concerned in their everyday life, and that both parties are going to be focused on returning some of the money to the taxpayers. Governor Walls, as we all well know, proposed sending some direct checks to taxpayers. The Republicans are looking perhaps for a deeper, steeper, and maybe more permanent tax relief to come out of this session. But the fact that both parties are talking about both of those topics mean that there will probably be certitude that there's movement in that direction and then the rest will be subject to a whole lot of contention and negotiation as we go through the legislative session. How about you, Pat? Well, first of all, big surpluses make legislative sessions more difficult, not less difficult, because there's more to fight over. That said, I am more struck by the commonalities um, than by their differences. Um, you now have the, uh, the governor and uh, the Senate Republicans both want to uh, do um, community uh, grants for uh, policing. Um, they're both focused on uh, officer retention and recruitment. Um, they're looking at ways to uh, bolster uh, enforcement. I, I think one of the bigger differences is that uh, Republicans are very focused on enhanced penalties for things like carjacking, uh, especially with the use of a, of a weapon. Democrats are less overt about uh, wanting to specifically direct money to additional hiring of police officers and uh, and tougher penalties. So those will be primary areas of negotiation. 
Um, I also see that both Walls and the Senate Republicans want to um, cut taxes. Um, Walls has actually labeled his Walls checks, which I think is unfortunate. It would be, it makes it seem like much more of an overt political gesture, uh, I think, and, and plays into a Republican talking point that he's attempting to buy votes. Um, probably better to just find a more neutral way to describe it. Uh, and also to, to find ways to target it at lower and middle income uh, folks. The governor um, has certain proposals that he's looking at. Um, Republicans are very focused on um, repealing taxation of Social Security income, which I think focuses on seniors, whether they're, you know, which often gets left out of the working families. Um, uh, focus from the DFL, um, Republicans are, are looking at something that would focus more on senior citizens, middle and lower income. I think those are all going to be areas that will entail much discussion. John, I got about a minute left. Pat talks about the uh, walls checks. I would say this, in my personal opinion, it is a gimmick, but it potentially is an effective gimmick. Uh, and I'll be curious how the Republicans try to play this as it goes on for the next few months. I concur. I think that when what both Patricia and I are talking about, in part, is an emphasis on public safety and an emphasis on some kind of tax refunds or lower taxes. And traditionally, both those areas have been strong suits for Republicans in elections and as we head into legislative and a gubernatorial race in this state that might benefit the republicans who are going to look to take over and, and win some statewide seats that have eluded them for so many years now always enjoy the conversation uh enjoy like a day of normal weather and then just go back in the house tomorrow night because it's gonna be four thousand <laughs> thanks guys appreciate it thank you thank you Pat Lopez and John Rash from the Star Tribune. Any issues, any concerns about your insulation? One way to go. Andy Lindis and Lindis Construction. They bring you the time. It is 157. CBS and What's-His-Face with the local news next.